Hi, and welcome to the Yak Fantasy Football Podcast. Yak isn't yakking like talking too much, and also like yards after catch. It's a double entendre, guys. I'm Ted, and today we're going back in time to 2022 one last time to look at my rankings for that draft class, the first class that I ever decided to make my own rankings for. Calling this series, reading the receipts, because I kept the receipts, and we're taking a look at what the rankings were from last year, where I had hits, where I had misses, and overall how you project these guys going forward. Today we're going to focus on tight ends, the last position group that we're going to talk about here. And remember, these are actually the rankings that are based on what I thought about these guys last year, so this isn't any revisionist history here, but let's get into it. All right, like the last couple position groups, I'm going to go through my list of where these guys ranked pre-draft for me, so it's not taking into account where they went, what their situation was, anything like that. It's just based on skill and traits. So the skills and traits that I look for are hands and separation, and I weight those the most for tight ends, uh, then speed, versatility, ball skills, and the last two that I weight less than the other categories here are size and blocking skills. So hands, obviously, how do they catch the ball? Do they drop it a lot? Separation, route running, speed, quickness to get open at the top of a route, or if they're able to make contested catches, even if they're not great at separation overall. Speed, self-explanatory, but also include quickness in that as well. Versatility, where can these guys line up? Do you have them in line as a Y tight end? Do you flex them out into the slot? Do you have them as an H back? Can these guys line up in multiple places or are they really pigeonholed to one place? Ball skills, pretty self-explanatory, but catch radius, ability to catch overall, contested catch ability, the ability to track the ball and contort your body to make tough catches, things like that. Size, really self-explanatory, height and weight and how they use that, and then blocking skills. It's not going to translate directly to fantasy, like I've said before, but it does give you an indication of whether or not these guys might have a better chance of getting on the field. If they're proficient blockers, they might be on the field more early than other guys would. So, with that all being said, I'm going to list my guys in order as far as how I rank them pre-draft. So, first I have Isaiah Likely. Jeremy Ruckert, Chigo Okwankwo, Trey McBride, Cole Turner, Jelani Woods, Jake Ferguson, James Mitchell, Kate Otten, Greg Dulcich, Charlie Kolar, Daniel Bellinger, and Peyton Hendershot. So these are the most notable tight ends from last year's class. There were a couple I couldn't really find reliable scouting reports on last year but they didn't really do anything last year anyway so they're pretty much irrelevant as far as this is concerned anyway so just looking through that group pretty solid group overall and i think these guys really surprised people last year a lot of them this wasn't a highly touted tight end group it wasn't a bad one but a lot of mid-round graded guys and guys who went in the mid-rounds there was no First round tight end, there was no Kyle Pitts, there was no Dalton Kincaid for this class. None of these guys went super early, so they were less touted, and 
a lot of them showed out pretty well, though, uh, especially for a position that takes a while for guys to develop. So I'm excited to get into this when it comes to looking at where I had them based on the situation they went into and the opportunity that, that they had. So without further ado, let's get into that. All right, so like every position, I have my tiers that I put these guys into, and the tiers for the tight ends are starter, chance to start, path to playing time, and sleeper. So very similar to my quarterback tiers, actually exactly the same. Uh, wide receiver and running back, I have a couple more because there are more specifications when it comes to those positions. But really, quarterbacks and tight ends, you're either going to be on the field or you're not. So with that being said, let's get into it. I don't have anybody in the starter tier. So going into last year, it did not look like any of these guys were day one starters, and they really weren't. Uh, a lot of guys who maybe had a chance to be the tight end two and show up on two tight end sets, but the NFL doesn't run a ton of two tight end sets anymore, so those chances are limited. So it really either took either taking a leap or maybe an injury in front of these guys to really get a chance. So at the time going into the beginning of the season, it didn't look like any of these guys had a chance to really be a solidified starter, a guy who's day one starter that you can plug into your lineup. So with that said, going down to the next tier, chance to start. So I put in this tier guys who likely have a chance to start, whether it is as a tight end two or potentially maybe down the road as a tight end one. So with that said, the first guy in this tier is Isaiah Likely for me. So Isaiah Likely has reliable hands that extend away from his body to make the catch. He runs diverse routes with double move ability and versatility to line up on the outside and slot and pick up yards after catch. He has the speed to run away from DBs and he thrives in the deep portions of the field, but he did test poorly when it came to the 40 yard dash. I think he ran a 4.8 which really wasn't representative of what you see when you're watching him. But that being said, uh, good ball tracker and is good at adjusting to the ball. He's a big body target with good overall blocking ability. So Isaiah Likely, he went into a situation where Mark Andrews is the guy there in Baltimore, and he's one of the top tight ends in the NFL and in fantasy. So there wasn't really a path for him, but, you know, Baltimore is a team that traditionally has run a lot of two tight end sets, so you could see that there might be a path for him there. And Mark Andrews had some injuries last year, so he was able to produce a little bit, and let's see how he did. So Isaiah Likely, in 16 games, he had 60 targets with 36 receptions on those targets, 373 yards, and three touchdowns. So Isaiah Likely, when he had chances, he shined. He caught pretty much everything thrown to him. He was great at yards after catch. Big-bodied guy who was really able to go up and get it and make tough catches. And on any other team other than Baltimore, he might be the tight end one as a rookie. But because of where he landed and because of the situation, it just didn't work out that way. So kind of a tough spot to have this guy because you kind of know going into if you're going to draft this guy 
well, you're counting on maybe an injury or maybe down the road they don't extend Mark Andrews. I don't see that happening, though, unless he gets more injuries. He has had some nagging injuries here and there over the last couple years, but really I don't see a huge opportunity for him uh, just because of who's in front of him. But he's good to have as at least a handcuff for Mark Andrews, and you know when he's in there he's going to produce. My next guy was Chigo Okwankwo, uh, a guy with natural hands and can win contested catch situations. He runs routes from various spots on the field and has good burst on his angular breaks. He's speedy with immense yards after catch ability, but smaller for a tight end. He aligned in several different spots, but he could afford to diversify a little bit more. He has good catch radius for his size, along with body control. He's a willing blocker, but is inconsistent at sustaining his blocks. So, Chigo Okwankwo, another guy who was behind another tight end in Austin Hooper, but you could kind of see the writing on the wall, at least with Austin Hooper, that that guy had lost a step, especially when he was in Cleveland, compared to what he did in Atlanta. And he was kind of in the you know downturn of his career, and you saw that maybe there was a chance for Chigo to show out, and uh, you know eventually he did, partially because Tennessee had nothing else for weapons, but also because he's a talented guy who really can make big plays happen, and he did that last year, so let's see how he did. So for Chigo, he played in 17 games. He had 46 targets, 32 receptions for 450 yards and three touchdowns. And he also had 14 yards per catch, which is really good for a tight end. So he's a big playmaker. He's a guy who's really good at yards after catching. You saw that several times throughout the year. Uh, one that sticks out to me in particular was, I think it was against the Chiefs when Malik Willis was playing his first time. And uh, he threw a simple dump-off screen to Chigo. And you know he got a couple yards at first and then a bunch of... Chiefs tacklers rallied around him, and he just bounced off of these guys, and he rumbled for like 40 yards. Uh, the guy is just really dynamic as a yards-after-catch receiver, and he's got good hands. He's got good playmaking ability overall. He reminds me of Jonu Smith, but I don't think he's as limited overall as Jonu Smith, but I can see why Tennessee liked him because he probably reminded them of that type, similar body type. Uh, similar ability in the red zone. So I like projecting him forward here, especially with the lack of weapons in Tennessee. And he's going to be the tight end one this year. So, um, you know, get your Chigo stocks while you can. I know uh, a lot of people are really big in the Chiganomics. So maybe it's not easy to get him cheap right now, especially for a tight end. But I think he's worth having. Um, before I get into my next guy, Isaiah likely went to Baltimore in the fourth round, and Chigo Okwankwo went to Tennessee in the fourth round. I forgot to mention that for both of those guys. So my next guy, Trey McBride, went to Arizona in the second round. He was the highest drafted tight end in this class. He's a good hands catcher who doesn't allow the ball into his frame. He has the physical attributes to separate, but needs to work on the nuances of it. He's got great speed for a tight end, which helps him get open. He can line up almost anywhere. 
He's a good ball tracker with a large catch radius. He's a willing blocker who won't overpower but doesn't quit. So Trey McBride was another guy. Again, these situations didn't look great for these guys. He might have had a chance for playing time, but Zach Ertz was in front of him at tight end. So it took Zach Ertz getting injured like he usually ends up doing, unfortunately, in the late stages of of his career to actually get some playing time at the end of the year. And he showed out fairly decently when he got the chance. Uh, still raw as a route runner, but he allowed his physical ability to show out. So let's see how he did. So in 16 games, Trey McBride had 39 targets, 29 receptions on those targets for 265 yards and one touchdown. He did most of his damage at the end of the year. So I didn't watch him all that much last year, but from the outside looking in, it looked like he did decently well down the stretch when Arizona had nothing else to play for and they were just trying to see what their guys could do and Zach Ertz was injured. So now going into this year, Zach Ertz is still recovering from his injuries there might be a chance for Trey McBride to be the starter here, at least to start the year. Uh, I like the athleticism, and I like the opportunity here. So if you've got him, and knowing that he showed a little bit of the promise that he has last year at the end of the year, I would definitely keep him on as your tight end too and hope that he can fully develop into the guy that he was drafted to be. My next guy is Kate Otten, who went to Tampa Bay in the third round. He has good hands to pluck the ball away from his frame, crafty enough to get open against man and zone, but not the most refined route runner. Has versatility to align at the F, Y, and H, good tracking ability, and the ability to come down with the ball after catching it at the high point, and he's at his best as a run blocker while he stays engaged. So, Kate Otten... Another guy who didn't look like he had a ton of opportunity here. There was a tight end in front of him, and I'm blanking on the name of him, but he's a guy who's been with Tampa Bay for a really long time, even when Gronk and O.J. Howard were there and really you know, was tight end one, tight end two at different points in his career there. I'm blanking on his name, though. But eventually, I believe he got hurt, and opportunities showed for Kate Otten and... Uh, Brady really peppered him with a bunch of targets down the stretch, and uh, he didn't do a ton with them as far as anything after the catch, but he caught most of them, and he was impressive in that, his ability to get open and his ability to just catch the ball. So he projects to be the starting tight end there in Tampa Bay now. I don't like the quarterback situation all that much, but he's a starting tight end, so maybe there's value there. Let's see how he did last year. So Kate Otten in 16 games had 65 targets, 42 receptions on those targets for 391 yards and two touchdowns. So he averaged less than 10 yards a catch, which isn't the best, but he is one of those tight ends who kind of get open throwing the ball and he kind of just falls forward and gets what he can. He doesn't really make any dynamic plays after the catch. So the ability to get open and catch the ball is good. He's got good size, and he's got good red zone ability and catch radius. So maybe those guys in Tampa Bay, either Baker or Kyle Trask, are going to be looking for a safety blanket, and he's that type of guy 
and maybe he can produce pretty well in the red zone. But at the very least, he's worth owning as a tight end two on your team, a guy who can ride the bench and fill in on a bye week. And my last guy in the chance to start category here, Greg Dulcich, who went to Denver in the third round. Dulcich has strong, plucky hands. He's a good route runner who gets separation at the top of his routes well. He's a seam stretcher who can run away from defenders. He profiles as an F and lacks versatility to align at the Y. He's a good ball tracker who makes tough catches in congestion routinely. He does not profile as an inline blocker due to lack of strength, but he is a willing blocker. So Greg Dulcich started the year injured, and he was kind of an afterthought. And then once he came back, he burst onto the scene for Denver. And maybe I should have seen this coming because... The things that were strengths for him were the receiving traits, whether it was the ability to get open, the ability to catch the ball, the speed, the yards after catch ability, ball skills. It's just the blocking and the other traditional tight end stuff, the versatility to be a wide tight end weren't there for him. But there's a place for guys like this in NFL offenses these days. And especially in an offense that's now run by Sean Payton, who famously had Jimmy Graham, who was tight end by name only. He was really just a big wide receiver. He wasn't a blocker. He was just a guy who was producing either in the middle of the field or in the red zone. So I like how he projects as the starting tight end for Denver based on what he did last year, his skills, and based on who he's going to be under right now as coach. But let's see how he did last year overall. So Dulcich in only 10 games had 55 targets, 33 receptions on those targets for 411 yards and two touchdowns. He also had 12.45 yards per catch. So you can see in that that he did have the ability to make big plays more than other tight ends would down the field. Um, You know, he really provided a spark for their offense, a really bad offense last year for Denver. And again, I like how he profiles under Sean Payton. He's a guy who's a low-end tight end one, I think, in my mind. Um, You know, I'm not super high on tight ends overall as a position in fantasy, unless you're in tight end premium. But I also don't like that because you're just kind of making something that's not valuable more valuable by adding a caveat to it. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but again, I, I like what he did last year. I like how he profiles to this offense in particular. And yeah, it's a, it's a good combo overall to project into next year. And to start off the path to playing time tier, I have Jelani Woods who went to Indy in the third round. Jelani Woods has solid overall hands, but has some consistency to work on. He needs work on his separation but can make catches even while being covered due to his ball skills and size he has appeal to line up in various places but will need refinement overall he has a massive wingspan that allows for catches on 50 50 balls he's an enthusiastic blocker who uses his length and keeps his feet moving so jelani woods he went to a team with a crowded tight end room uh, they love Mo Alley Cox there in, in Indy, and they had Kylan Granson, I think is the guy's name, ahead of him. So there were a lot of tight ends there in Indy, and you like the draft capital going in the third round for Jelani Woods, but knowing that he was unrefined and that there was the presence of two other tight ends there, 
Plus, they also drafted another tight end there, I think, in the sixth round. Uh, one of the guys that I couldn't really find a reliable report on. Um, so it was just a crowded situation. I saw that there was a path because Mo Alley Cox isn't all that talented as a receiver. Um, and same with Kylan Granson. But because of the crowded nature of that tight end room, I couldn't put him in the chance to start tier for me. But anyway... He looks to be the tight end one there going into this year, at least based on what he did last year, the flashes that he showed. But they were mostly flashes, uh, just thinking back. He had three touchdowns last year before we really get into the stats, and three of those touchdowns, all three of them, were in one game. So that's fantastic, but at the same time, he's got to be more consistent overall. So with that said, let's get into how he did last year. My mistake, he had two in one game and then one in another. But still, he played quite a bit throughout the year and didn't really produce as much as you would have hoped down the stretch. But it was a really bad situation there too. Uh, so in 15 games for Jelani Woods, he had 40 targets with 25 receptions on those targets for 312 yards. Three touchdowns in 12.48 yards per catch. So a big play target. Dude is six foot seven and 250 pounds. Uh, huge wingspan. A ton of raw ability there. So if he can really develop into his body type, he can be a real weapon, especially in the red zone. Uh, again, he's got work to do when it comes to separation, but he can also make catches when he's pretty much covered. So... I like him enough. Um, I'm not crazy high on him because he's still got work to do on the two most important things, which is catching the ball and getting open. But you do like the physical skill set and that those things are things he can learn to do. My next guy is Jake Ferguson, who went to Dallas in the fourth round. Ferguson has good hands with the ability to catch one-handed balls or scoop up low throws. Not dynamic as a route runner, but has a solid route tree. Uh, able to line up in several spots and has experience with pre-snap motion, which will translate to the NFL. Good catch radius and ability to make difficult catches. And he shows effort and improvement blocking, but whiffs all too often. So Jake Ferguson, he was going to a situation where Dalton Schultz was the starter. And then on top of that... He was not the only tight end drafted, which we'll get into later in these rankings. So it was a crowded situation. Again, you could see a chance there, but was it really going to be advantageous for him? And he showed some flashes here and there, but it wasn't really all that much because Dalton Schultz was still the guy there. Even when he was hurt, uh, Ferguson didn't really do all that much. So let's see how he did. So in 16 games, Ferguson had 22, had 22 targets, 19 receptions on those targets, a really good catch rate, uh, 174 yards and two touchdowns with only 9.16 yards per catch. He is very much a guy who's just going to catch it and really not do much with it after the catch, but the ability to catch it, the ability to get open overall is a solid route runner. Um, pretty good for Jake Ferguson. Unfortunately... He may be the starter this year, but 
it's going to be a crowded situation this year and beyond with Dallas drafting Luke Schoonmaker this past year in the second round. So he's got competition. It looks like he's going to be the guy this year, but how long that's going to be the case, we shall see. And my last guy in the path to playing time tier is Daniel Bellinger, who went to the Giants in the fourth round. Bellinger has good hands, not a good route runner, but can make contested catches. More of a possession receiver than a seam buster. Has experience at different alignments, but is best used as a wide tight end. He's solid with his ball tracking ability and eye-hand coordination. Blocking is his best skill as he has some nastiness to him in run blocking and he's got competitive toughness in pass pro. So Bellinger is a guy I wasn't super high on coming out of last year and the only reason I put him in this tier was because there was really nothing else in front of him. The Giants didn't have anything else at tight end and that showed last year with the fact that he actually went out there and produced a decent amount. And, you know, he showed some promise here and there when he was out there, and uh, he was used in some unique ways by Brian Dayball. I think that was more Dayball being creative than it was Bellinger being a super highly skilled guy. And you kind of see that with the fact that they brought in another guy, but we'll get into that in a second. Let's see how Bellinger did last year. So in 12 games, uh, remember he had a fractured like eye socket or something like that, really... Nasty injury for him. Unfortunate that he suffered that middle of the year. Um, He had 35 targets, 30 receptions on those targets, so good catch rate. But again, I watched the Giants a little bit, and I know Brian Dayball as the offensive coordinator of the Bills when he was there with them. I think a lot of that was manufactured for Bellinger. Uh, 268 yards, two touchdowns, and only 8.93 yards per catch, so... Not dynamic after the catch. He was used in interesting ways. They used him on some weird reverse concepts and uh, tight end handoffs, things like that. Um, I I know he had a rushing touchdown or two. Uh, I can't really pull out those stats right now because it's not really showing up for a tight end. But because of the limited skill set and because of the fact that they brought in Darren Waller, in the offseason, I don't see Bellinger being the guy there. He can be the tight end too, and uh, I think they want him to develop behind Waller. But it's going to be a while until Bellinger is viable, if he is at all, because I don't think he really has that much to build into when it comes to his athletic ability. But he was a nice story last year, and... Uh, Maybe he's a nice dynasty piece to you, uh, just isn't somebody that I'm overly excited about. And finally, getting into the sleeper tier, we're going to start off with Jeremy Ruckert, who went to the Jets in the third round. Ruckert has fantastic hands with the ability to catch inaccurate balls routinely, but he was underutilized as a receiver in college. He's unrefined as a separator, but can find spots in zone. He's sufficient when it comes to his speed, but not really explosive. He's shown a lot as a blocker and has the skill set to be a pass catcher. And he has ball skills to make tough catches look routine. So Ruckert, like I mentioned, inexperienced in college as a receiver, but you saw flashes from him 
So you like the athletic profile. There's a reason he was drafted in the third round by the Jets, but you knew he was raw. And the reason that I had him in the sleeper category, despite his draft capital and despite his athletic ability, is because he was behind two solid tight ends in Tyler Conklin and C.J. Ozoma, who were signed as free agents by the Jets last year. So the path really wasn't there, on top of the fact that this guy really needed to develop into his skill set. So, and unfortunately he was injured last year, so he did nothing last year. Uh, the reports out of camp this year, though, are pretty promising from what I'm hearing. It'll still probably take him some time to fully develop, and Conklin and Uzoma are still there. But those guys have contracts that are easy to get out of next year. So if they feel like he's taking the steps necessary this next year, then they might be able to move on from those guys and make him the starting number one tight end for the team. But he also got competition in Zach Kuntz, who was drafted in the seventh round by the Jets this past year, who's super athletic as well. So we'll see where all that goes. Keeping an eye on him, maybe a stash in super deep leagues or in leagues where you're allowed to have guys on your taxi squad for multiple years but right now I don't think he's super fantasy viable just because of the situation my next guy here is Cole Turner who went to Washington in the fifth round Turner has natural hands and is a good route runner who separates well versus man not overly explosive though and is able to challenge down the seam uh, has the ability to line up in multiple spots but he's a mediocre blocker, so F or Y are his best fits. He's good when it comes to tracking ability and eye-hand coordination over the middle. So Cole Turner, another guy who didn't really have a shot when it came to the situation in front of him. Whether it was Logan Thomas in front of him before he got hurt. There was also John Bates there. But he... Did have two catches on nine targets for 23 yards, which isn't great. Um, so a guy who's developing, but he's got really good size, good ability overall, and he seems to be doing well in camp this year. So keep an eye on Cole Turner. I like the athletic ability from him. So if he can show out, especially when it comes to a team where Logan Thomas has been riddled with injuries and John Bates has really shown very little as the tight end overall, especially as a receiving tight end, there might be a chance there for him. Again, a guy you might want to stash in deep leagues. Next is James Mitchell, who went to Detroit in the fifth round. Mitchell has consistent hands with the ability to extend and maximize his catch radius. He needs to expand his route tree, but has the skill set to do so. He's not a speed demon, but he makes big plays after the catch. He can play in line or in the slot and even has been used as a punt returner and emergency QB, which is super interesting. He's got great body control and tracking skills that come from his basketball background. And he's a willing blocker, but he's ineffective due to lack of strength and technique. James Mitchell, another guy who went to a crowded situation at the time at the very least, and he was underdeveloped. Uh, so... Obviously, T.J. Hawkinson was the guy there, and then after him was Brock Wright. They traded T.J. Hawkinson, which made me think maybe there was an opportunity for Mitchell, but because he's underdeveloped still, 
he wasn't really able to capitalize all that much on that. But let's see quickly how he did last year and how he projects going into next year. So in 14 games, Mitchell had 11 targets and caught all of them, all 11 of them, for 113 yards and a touchdown. So not crazy production, but enough for a developing tight end. Unfortunately for him, the Lions drafted Sam Laporta in the second round, who projects as a really good receiving tight end. So James Mitchell is likely to be a reserve tight end for this team behind Brock Wright and Sam Laporta. Um, So as much as I like the athletic ability, I don't see an opportunity here for him, especially with the draft capital used on Laporta and Laporta's skill set. So I'd probably fade James Mitchell at this point. My next guy is Charlie... My next guy is Charlie Kolar, who went to Baltimore in the fourth round. Somehow baffling to me, he went before Isaiah likely went to Baltimore. They were both drafted in the fourth round by Baltimore, but they picked him first. Uh, So Kolar has soft, reliable hands to catch in traffic and had a career 3% drop rate, which is really great. Uh, He's a stiff route runner lacking explosiveness to beat man, but works well versus zone. He's not a vertical threat or gifted in yards after catch. He projects as an inline tight end. He uses his catch radius, strong hands, and timing to produce effective ball skills. And he's a willing and competitive blocker, but has technical flaws right now. So Kolar, unfortunately, lost pretty much all of his season to injury. So there's really nothing to report stat-wise. And I wasn't super high on his skill set overall anyway. He projects better as a secondary blocking tight end than he does as a pass-catching tight end who's going to be relevant in fantasy. So between the opportunity there with Mark Andrews and Isaiah likely in front of him and the fact that his profile isn't great for fantasy, I'm fading him as well. And my last guy, who was a UDFA for Dallas, I think I mentioned that he was drafted, but I'm wrong about that. Uh, earlier in this podcast, uh, Peyton Hendershot, who went to Dallas as a UDFA again. Um, so Hendershot has capable hands. He's more of a yak creator than a diverse route runner, thanks to good tackle breaking ability. He does not have the speed to challenge the seam. He's more of a rotational tight end that does not offer every down versatility as it projects to the NFL. He projects more as a flex or an H-back. He adjusts well to the ball overall, and he offers very little blocking ability due to lack of functional strength. So Peyton Hendershot, he actually produced okay uh, for the third tight end in Dallas there. Uh, So let's look at that real quick. So Hendershot in 17 games, he had four, sorry, 16 targets, 11 receptions for 103 yards and two touchdowns. So Not terrible. He at least did something last year. But again, based on his profile, you got to think that most of that was manufactured. He's a yards after catch guy who's really going to catch the ball short, make things happen after that, and really not much else. And he doesn't project very well as a blocker. On top of the fact that Jake Ferguson looks like he's the guy in Dallas for this year, and Luke Schoonmaker was just drafted in the second round. Another guy here in Hendershot that I'm fading, especially 
after these new developments, but I was already pretty much fading him in the sleeper category last year. So that wraps up the tight ends from last year. Let's look quickly at where I was right on some of these guys, where I had misses, and where maybe I can improve my process here, and just look at the overall picture of these guys. So in the chance to start category, again, we didn't have any starters last year as it was starting out in the season. Isaiah Likely, he produced when he was in there, and he looked exactly the way that I thought he would. It's just unfortunate for fantasy purposes and for his career uh, to show out with that athletic ability that he is behind such a good tight end in Mark Andrews. So he's valuable enough in dynasty and in deep leagues but you know it's just hard when you've got that kind of guy in front of you chico Aquanquo as my number two guy here uh really showed out well last year and projects to be a solid option in tennessee next year with lack of receiving options outside of him you know it's just d hop and Traylon burks other than him maybe kyle phillips if he can finally do something in the slot but it looks pretty promising for Chigo based on last year and based on his skill set plus the opportunity. Uh, McBride has an opportunity this year. Hopefully he can seize it with Zach Ertz out. Kate Otten also has an opportunity here. It's pretty much the only guy at tight end for Tampa Bay. And Greg Dulcich in Denver, he's the one who I really missed on here as far as having him ranked low, and it was because he didn't do all the blocking and inline things for tight end but I should have known better and this is a guy who I can look at going forward and say guys who have receiving ability and the ability to get open are going to get on the field regardless of whether they can block or not and whether they can line up as a traditional inline tight end so that's where I missed on this guy I understood where his skills lied but that kind of blinded me to the fact that he had the ability to show out when he was on the field. And again, he's going to an offense with Sean Payton right now that really works well with his skill set. Then we're looking at the path to playing time category quickly here. Jelani Woods looks to be the guy in Indy, but again is raw and needs to develop. And I don't know how that looks with a raw developing quarterback and Anthony Richardson there. So hopefully he's made some improvements off of last year and can show some of that ability, especially that contested catch red zone ability. Uh, Jake Ferguson looks to be the guy in Dallas overall here. Uh, maybe he can produce Dalton Schultz-like numbers because he is a Dalton Schultz-like talent at the tight end position. Nothing spectacular. Gets open, catches the ball, is reliable, can get you a first down. Uh, Daniel Bellinger, I didn't like him overall to begin with, but he did show out more than I expected him to, mostly because opportunity was there. I don't see it this year with Darren Waller being there, but I know some people are excited about him, like I said, so I'm not going to poo-poo on him too much here. But again, a guy based on his skills and traits and the opportunity here, I don't like the chances for him here right now and I'd probably maybe put him in that uh, sleeper category here going into this year. Uh, Ruckert has shown out in camp quite a bit this year going into the sleeper category by the way. 
Uh, so hopefully he can develop here. But again, not much opportunity right now. Maybe Rodgers will like him, though. Um, Cole Turner, another very similar guy, athletic ability, but where's the opportunity here? Maybe Eric Bieniemy as the OC there will like him better than he likes Logan Thomas, who's been injured a ton and inconsistent too. James Mitchell, Charlie Kolar, and Peyton Hendershot. They don't really seem to have opportunities here, so I'm fading these guys, and I think they were rightfully put in the sleeper category for me. So, Overall, looking at this, I think I did a pretty good job of slotting these guys based on the opportunities and skills and everything. My one regret, again, is Greg Dulcich. I should have seen through the fact that just because he's not a great blocker and not an inline tight end that he could still have a chance to see the field in an offense that needed a pass catcher. So that, I think, is my one big mistake in all of this. But I think overall, I did a pretty good job in ranking these guys last year. And I like how those guys in that chance to start category project going forward. All right, so that's going to do it for today. Thanks for tuning into this episode focusing on the 2022 tight end class. If you liked what I had to say, disagreed with what I had to say, or have your own rankings to share, hit me up on Twitter at YakFantasyPod. Not sure what I'll be doing next week. But the Hall of Fame game is on Thursday, the first NFL action of the year between the Jets and the Browns. So I'll probably touch on anything notable that comes from that. And I'll come up with something else on top of that. I have a few ideas. Uh, Some notable rookies just off the top of my head from that game, uh, since I focus a lot on the rookies. Izzy Abanacanda for the Jets. uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the Browns at quarterback. He might get some run. Uh, Zach Koontz at tight end for the Jets, and Cedric Tillman at receiver for the Browns. Uh, So that should be fun to finally get some real football, you know, before we finally remember that preseason is really bad and boring after the first quarter. We all kind of come to that realization of, oh, I miss football, but not this football, when you're seeing third stringers in the third quarter. But anyway, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and catch you next week.